Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. In this podcast, chat about the win against Millwall, look ahead to Rotherham and answer your podcast questions. This is the Borough Breakdown podcast, and this is our Borough Match Day chatter in a pod. Support. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for Craig Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Abanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Abanelli spots out. Hello and welcome to the Bore Breakdown Podcast with Johnny, Dana and Matt. And we are the Bore Podcast that gives you all of your Bore Match Day chatter in a podcast. And Middlesbrough have moved up to ninth in the championship table after a 3-1 win over Millwall. And what a week it's been. Win against Chelsea, win against Millwall. And we're still just one point off the playoff places. I don't know how after all, all the injuries we've had this season, <laughs> but here we are. Uh, guys, one key takeout from the week as always. Uh, Dana, would you like to go first? Yeah, I think this week's just been a really good mentality from Borough. Carrick spoke about it after the game, about the spirit. And I kind of felt like the game yesterday, the win, was more than just the bog standard league win. It felt and it feels like there's something really good that's bubbling under at the moment. And it's probably born out of the Chelsea win. You know, when you have such an extreme high, I think it definitely can give you that feeling as a fan. But also credit to Borough because... I know they're not fans like us and they probably don't experience those emotions quite on the scale of, of what we do. Even, you know, Hayden Hackney being a Borough fan, Dale Fry being a Borough fan, there's a certain level of detachment there. And I know that people say, well, footballers are athletes. They should be switched on for a game like yesterday's. But I remember after the Spurs win under Chris Wilder, we had a game against Luton afterwards and that was a terrible game. It was flat. I think it was 1-0. Paddy Minaire scored from the spot. Atmosphere was flat. Everything about it was just felt like a hangover. And I think people might have thought that Borough were a little bit hungover yesterday, given our start. But the way that we responded, especially to go on a goal behind, I think was was really, really good from us. So, yeah, they, they were peppering us with crosses. We stood tall. We defended well. I think we still had our openings. We still looked a threat. And then once we went 1-1, it only looked like there was one team that was going to win that, and that was us. Yeah, and, and you, Matt, how are you feeling after a whirlwind of a week? Obviously, you haven't been on the show post-Chelsea, so it'd be good to get your thoughts on that one as well. Yeah, I was, um, I was, I felt hungover after the Chelsea game. I think quite a few people said the same, and I think even BBCT's tweeted something along the lines of, "Is everyone feeling hungover?" And I did. I actually felt hungover after after that game the day after. I just felt so physically and mentally drained by it. But it was obviously 
I think one of the best nights at the Riverside in years. It was absolutely amazing. As you know, Johnny, I think we lost our limbs numerous times and it was just <laughs> absolutely amazing. But um, I think to follow that up with a win at the Den of all places is really, really good. And I, I think my key takeaway is just that there's lots of positives to come out of yesterday's win. I think it's not just, as you say, a bog standard win. I think it might look like that on paper, but Dana hit the nail on the head with the mentality point. I think it would have been easy for Borough to maybe go under it at the den, especially going 1-0 down at such a hostile atmosphere. It probably was one of the toughest places to go after the high of such a, you know, such a win against Chelsea. So I think for the boys to come from a goal down and win in the way they did is a big positive. But as well as that, I looked at our team yesterday and, and for the first time I felt reassured. I felt really comfortable. I looked at the bench and I just thought, wow. And this this isn't even full strength. We've still got four or five out, you know, couple away on internationals or whatever and I, I just thought being able to take off Barlasser, bring on Hackney, bring on Crooks, take off Azaz, bring on Matt Clark, Force coming on. It was the first time in a long time I looked at Borough's squad and I thought wow okay this is a squad that could seriously do damage and if someone's not playing well we can replace them with quality and we saw that with, with Force and what he did yesterday so I, I think there's lots and lots of positives coming out of the game yesterday and it's just been a really really good week. Yeah and I would echo that as well like I would definitely say that the emotion I felt on Wednesday in that second half, Mike, you were looking at me like, God, Johnny's lost his head. I've never yeah. seen you like that at a game, honestly. You're normally so calm and cool and collected, but your <laughs> head was in your hands for the whole second half. I was like, you all right? Like, you all right, Johnny? Yeah, lost my head. Lost, completely lost my head. Uh, but I think yesterday was really good as well. It's really positive, I think, to go down and, and to go on to win. It's just another bonus. Was in, Dan, I know you alluded in there, but the mentality side of things and... And we we do talk about underlying numbers on this podcast and people hate it for me, but I think sometimes it comes good for it. I think sometimes you can kind of see it come good. Things are getting better and it's all set up now for, for Borough to lose against Rotherham at home, uh, given that they haven't won in 30 away games. So there we go. Absolutely. Um, we'll, we'll chat about Millwall and keep the keep the high coming because, you know, a goal from my boy Lucas Engel for his first Borough goal. Uh, Zai Jones and the returning back is fast, Dana York. Favorite centre forward, of course. Give Borough a three-one uh, Borough win at the Den. Then, uh, what was your overall assessment as well? Because it started off really difficult for Borough. They had to grow into the game and go on to win it. So, what was your overall alternate? Uh, yeah, it started really difficult because Millwall made it difficult. I think Borough fans were saying that we were abysmal, and I get it to a certain degree. But I would prefer to credit Millwall here because I thought they were really good. I thought they played some really good football. Billy Mitchell in particular really impressed me um, in the middle of their midfield. Proper classic Millwall name that, isn't it? And I thought it was a real live wire both in and out of possession, picked up some really good spaces, enabling Millwall to pass through us as they did. And I did think at one point, Jesus, everything that these are doing is really good quality. You know, that as I said, they played some really, really good football and you could tell that they were increasing in confidence. I think they were unbeaten in their last five league games and they deserve their lead I mean I'm not surprised the way that we conceded that goal because from a couple of corners before that Borough were leaving men's spare around the edge of the box so when Joe Bryan popped up with the volley and him being the the spare man I wasn't really surprised at that to be honest but the, in the second half you know the press that they were implementing and I'll talk about it later when I when, when I discussed the, the equalizing goal it was still there but it felt far less intimidating and I think it was because they actually started the second half decently well they had a lot of possession around the box um, which resulted in a few 
openings, but thankfully for us, they fell to Duncan Watmore, who's all fart nor poo, unfortunately for him, or fortunately for Borough. And they look to have reacted to Joe Edwards' halftime team talk, but you know, we talk about how goals change games. I think they really, really struggled after we went in front and they just they, their performance plateaued after that and Boris just grew. And as I said on the, the takeout, when we went 1-1, it felt like Borough were just growing. We were still, like, even though people are saying that we were poor to start the game, we were still creating openings because the way that they were pressing, they were leaving space in behind. Borough really exploited that with their forward players. So I think it was a, a game about space, about naivety and about the old cliche of goals change games. And I think Borough deserved it in the end. It was a good team performance. Yeah, Matt, what, what were your thoughts when Borough went 1-0 down? Well, I guess you were thinking, but yeah, this typical Borough, it's happening all over again. Crap, we're useless, all that kind of stuff. Do you think that was that was that was going through your mind when when uh, they went ahead? I think it was, um, <clears throat> there was an, an aura of typical Borough about it. But I, I wasn't I wasn't thinking we were bad as such. I was thinking I was sort of taken aback a bit by how Millwall were playing because I think we've all got this kind of stigma of what we think Millwall are like and how they play football. And I was quite impressed by them in the the first 10, 15 minutes. I mean, some of the some of the way they were passing through the lines, I mean, some of the speed of it, the the, the quick one touch football, it was really, really good. And I was I had to keep checking the corner of the screen to make sure it said Millwall. I was like, what who's this? This is not Millwall. I mean they they started really, really well and did deserve their goal. Arguably missed a bit of a sitter to get a second from a corner, it has to be said. But I think it was clear after the first half an hour or so that they were running out of steam a little bit. I think they their game plan was to try and, I think, catch Borough by surprise and, and maybe kill the game early. I think Joe Edwards said, I think it was post-game, that he, he, he tried to go for the throat. I think he was quoted in saying and... I very much got that and I feel like they had an opportunity early on to kill the game off and maybe have a two-goal advantage. They didn't. And once Borough equalised, I just feel like they ran out of steam a little bit. They had another brief spell at the start of the second half where I think they had a burst of energy, but they couldn't quite maintain it. So, yeah, I think we just hung on in there, got a really good equaliser at a very good time. And I think, yeah, once we got that equaliser, I always felt second half. The game was there for us as long as we took our chances and... um yeah, thankfully we did. So it wasn't quite typical, but it was actually quite the opposite for a change, which, um, yeah, is a good sign. That Jake yeah. Cooper chance to where it really should have been made 2 0. I mean, how he's allowed to cushion a volley pretty much uncontested about five yards out from a corner is interesting. But the fact that that hit the crossbar, Tom Glover might have got a touch on it. That was a big moment in the game because if Borough go 2 0 down there, I don't know what you think, but I don't think we would have come back from that. I think we would have went for the game and, and tried to maybe attack it a little bit more. I mean, to be fair, we were we were still getting opportunities, but I don't think we would have won that game if Jake, Jake Cooper made it 2-0. So that was a, a really, really big game, a big moment in the game that I think Millwall left to rue that chance. Yeah, and I do I, I do think the same on that as well. I think if they go 2-0 up, the, the game changes, their system changes. I think they go a bit more defensive and try and pack that midfield out and they don't become as aggressive in in the press. I think in those early stages, probably seen a more kicks really. And I think it's where Bora's goal does come from. And in terms of they would have the centre forwards and then the midfielders who would press really high, go man for man. And it was the same, but it would leave a big space behind the midfield and the defence. And so when Bora were to play through, they could turn and, and go on and create a big chance. And, you know, for, for them in those early stages, 
did make things difficult and they were causing those overloads on the right-hand side. I think they were looking at Borough's system, looking at Greenwood, looking at Jones, noticing that there wasn't really much, really much of a defensive cover, probably the best word to say, and they were able to double up on Engle, even three-on-one at Engle and, and Vandenberg at times, and it made it look really difficult. So I do feel for Engle at some point because I know he's going to get killers. And I know I'm his number one, number one fan, but I'll defend him because it's just the it's very difficult when you've got three v one. It's the same for Ailing as well. Like when it when they did put the numbers on the wide areas, it's really difficult to defend against anyone who plays football. Know that. But it's just the for me, yeah, their press was really good, especially on the on, but I think it does have limitations, especially when you go man for man. A very easy thing for a team to do is just to keep moving on the pitch. Borough's front four, given that it's quite dynamic and it it will just pull people out of places and that's where I think Borough found a lot of joy when it started to click. I think those early stages when people do go really high press for a very short period, it's very difficult to play against but you can't do it for 90 minutes. Um, I think you alluded to it as well on Twitter, Matt, around that but yeah, they can't do it forever and when they do tire out, you will fall apart, especially if you've got man for man. But yeah, that space between the defence and midfield is really interesting for me on those goal kicks and I know it kind of leads to Borough's first goal, Dana, in terms of you know getting that equaliser because we could have been 2 0 down, we ended up pulling 1 1, and then the game was ours to take. Yeah, I really like how this goal is constructed, actually. As you said, their Millwall were operating man for man in terms of their press. They had three different approaches within that from the three different players. So they had uh, George Honeyman and Billy Mitchell. One would press up high to to limit the distribution from our midfield too, and the other would sit off and uh, and protect. Nisbet was going man for man on one of Housen and, and Barlasa, but there was a naivety in that. I felt because Borough would drop one of the the forwards into that vacant space in the middle. In this case, in the build up to the first goal, it was. Sam Greenwood, um, it enabled the ball from defence, in this case, actually Tom Glover, to bypass that press. And then Borough are immediately on the attack. And because Millwall have one of their double pivot height at the pitch, in this case, it was George Honeyman, they were stretched. Borough could catch them on the break to enable that quick transition. Jones does really, really well. He plays Greenwood on the inside in the box. It's Joe Bryan that Greenwood makes the runoff. And he delays the cross I'm actually thinking cross 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 do it now and then he delays it and it's a good thing he delays it because there's a moment where Ryan Longman was somewhat half tracking Lucas Engel but he breaks off him to come in field to mark I think it's Johnny Housen and it enables that space for Lucas Engel to to tuck the ball home he couldn't really miss to be honest although to be fair with Borough I wouldn't have been surprised if if he did but yeah it all comes because of that press that that Milmore were operating how you had one of their midfield two really, really aggressive. They, they were squeezing up. They were trying to limit that output from Barlasa and um, and Johnny Housen. One of them would man mark and then the other one would drop deep. And just because of the fact that they had one of their midfield two high up the pitch, it did leave space in behind because Borough have such fluidity up front. It really caught them out. Millwall so I could see what they were doing I just think they were a little bit maybe heavy-handed with it and they didn't have that protection necessarily although they did have a deeper midfielder trying to protect in behind so that space was really exploited from Borough which I think was really impressive Mm. and on the aggressive press as well I've always intrigued why teams do it sometimes I think that for a team like Borough who do enjoy playing at the back I would I would be quite happy to give our centre-backs the ball and just press in certain areas so you can keep your shape. I feel like I, I don't want to tell about Boris like tactics here, but the, the aspect <laughs> is like you want to, you want to just, I would say you keep your 
defensive line still on the halfway line, you know, your midfield, three and then you, you or your midfield, whatever, then you centre forward. But you, you really keep it compact so you know that middle space and stop Borough playing. But it's the same for other teams as well, I, I would, especially if you were to try and progress. You need to be really like be connected as a unit and don't leave too much space so you don't get get put on this on these false transitions or what whatever they're called these days. You know, the, the footballing world uh will do me for calling it a false transition, but it is kind of a transition, but it's not. It's weird. I don't know. I don't know how to really say it, but <laughs> you play through the lines and you're in, aren't you? Because then it's like, it feels like a transition. But anyway, that's for another time. Anyway, Lucas Engel, someone who has been on a, a redemption arc this season, uh, you know, he came in with a lot of excitement. Um, I think I fueled that excitement quite a lot on this podcast. And, you know, he didn't have a particularly strong start uh, to life on Seaside. But are you guys surprised at how well he's turned things around? Uh, Matt, like, what, what do you think? Because he just looks like a completely different player now, right? Yeah, it's really, really nice to see another redemption arc at Borough. Obviously, we had the Tuberac Pom one last season. And I love it. I just love seeing a player go on this sort of journey from coming to the club and maybe not starting off well. And I do recall that Chef, I mean, as we all do, that Chef Wednesday game was just, I mean, it's, it was the lowest of the low, wasn't it? And I, I remember looking at Luke, Lucas Engel and thinking, oh, what have we done here? Because it was a big position for us to fill, obviously. There was quite a bit of pressure replacing Ryan Giles. And the question was, can you even replace Ryan Giles? And I think we have. I think he he maybe isn't as effective going forward in terms of his numbers, but I think he's he offers us more defensively. I think he's very, very solid going both ways. And I, I listened to his post-match interview, and despite the F-bomb, which I thought was also fantastic that he dropped, he's clearly been loving his time at the Borough. I, I, I really liked how he said that he was... Maybe to start with, he was scared to fail, and I like I like seeing that vulnerability to footballers because I think some fans just, especially when they're coming over from a new country, I think fans just expect them to just hit the ground running and they write them off quickly, and they just expect footballers to pick up a new style of play and instantly just be fantastic, and and they give them a stick I think too early on. So I really liked hearing that he opened up about how he struggled to start with, and that he has grown into you know, an absolutely amazing left back. And I'm really, really, really happy for him. I think it's really, it's a big tick in the box for Borough's recruitment team as well. He's our player, which is awesome. And I can't wait to see how he continues to develop. So um, I know you've um, had a bit of stick, Johnny, five stars, he not, is he, you know? And I think time will tell if he is quite a five star, but it wouldn't surprise me if he was, because I'm absolutely delighted for him. And I, I really can't wait to see how he continues to develop as a as a Borough player. He's been a, a really, really great signing, I'd say. Yeah, look, I've got to be excited with the five stars, but I'll take it. Uh, you know, I think I still think he's a really good sign. I'm just excited to see what he brings next season more than this season. So you've got like another 12, you've got 12 months under your belt. You've adjusted to life and you, and you get a bit better and better. But I do think he has those, like you're saying there, Matt, I think he has those characteristics where he's really, he has a really good left foot in terms of passing and break through the line. It's really good and really accurate. Um, his crossing is still decent as well. Uh, defensively, look, I think it can be potentially suspect, but I think there's a common flaw. I think we were saying earlier, off air, Dan, right around, there's a common current flaw in, in, in the system where our fullbacks will get exposed at times, just the way that we lob side players over. Greenwood, for me, like he just comes too central through sometimes and it does my head in, but it's just that's that's like another that's for another time. Then on, on Lucas Engel Law, I mean, happy with his redemption arc. I mean, you love a redemption arc, you love a story, of course, as well. Mm-hmm. And this is just another story to, to the page of Dana Supporter Mills of Football Club, right? <laughs> it is. It's really good to see that because yeah, the, there are fans that are 
they're far too quick to be far too extreme in their opinions. And it goes both ways, actually. You know, when you see a player have a good debut and all of a sudden they're the best thing since sliced bread. And alternatively, when a player has a really bad debut, then they're the worst thing since Ryan shot against Brentford. And it's like, well, you can't write a player off. I mean, even now, you know, we're still, you know, Lucas Engel is not the finished product. He's still got some ways to go to develop. And that's quite exciting because right now what we're seeing is we're seeing a player that has definitely grown. And I love that interview that Matt referenced there, uh, the one on Tease, the one on the Borough website. Really good to, as Matt said, see that vulnerability. And yeah, the whole, he was afraid of being a failure. Like, we don't really hear that a lot from footballers. So that honesty was was really appreciated. And I like that he's improved. I think we've got a good player there in, in Lucas Engel, who the, I think one of the commentators on the highlights said that he's becoming a little bit of a fan favourite. And I think we're seeing that because, yeah, we I'm, I don't think I'm the only one that likes the story and likes the journey. All you want to see as a fan is players improve. And we've seen Lucas Engel improve tenfold. He's He's in a really good moment, really good spell at the moment, which is good to see. Yeah, and we were uh, prior to the Ireland transfer, like the fifth youngest squad in the in the championship. And uh, poor Luke, uh, Ireland Nick was a little bit older <laughs> as a team. Um, but it's, uh, I, th- I think that the fact that we've got these young players like Morgan Rodgers, who's like twenty one year old, four year deal, Engel, four year deal, and you know this, the signs we brought in all young players on longer contracts, really seeing that development, and also that we can spread the transfer fee out much more sustainable. And it's just, I think it's just becoming quite a nice feeling again. It has been for a couple of years. To be honest, we've been in like good moments, but I just feel like now that they're all our players, it makes things just a little bit more sweeter. I still think we might probably will maybe get one more loan, maybe in this in this window, and then also probably get another permanent. But it's just the, I just think it's nice. We've got a really good foundation this year and hopefully in the summer we can just get one or two players, bring them in keep bed, and just keep growing from there. But again, as as again, he's still in his young, like like really early 20s. It's just it's just exciting. I'm just excited for it and there's just so much development to go around. But I quickly just want to go back to the, the Millwall game. So like, we, we do talk about game state because, you know, when it went 1-1, I thought it was going to be one side that wins it and it'd be boring. And I thought there was... It was just so much to like, but it was at times once we broke through the lines once, I think we're very, very good at keep breaking them time and time again. Because I think we just we work out for ourselves, and then once we've worked it out, we we create plenty of chances, and it was really good for us to to go ahead and you know a lovely ball from Azaz to get the ball forwards, and it was the ter- it was a, a really difficult header for the defender because he could only. <sighs> I would personally, I would try to leave it and just kind of just like go over my head because I thought Jones he got won the caught other. underneath it, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, he was. Yeah, and he was caught a bit under two minds as well. I didn't know. I didn't think what he wanted to do, but I still thought Jones was going to miss. But it was. Uh, <laughs> he went he went to score, and I thought they went really flat after that. And then for Force to win it, it was a wonderful moment for him as well. And I'll come to Max Force in a moment, but the scenes down, it was absolutely electric when uh, Borough went 2-1 two, two up and then 3-1 up at the end, right? Yeah, it's so funny because if you watch Jones's goal back to make it 2-1, there's a particular angle behind the goal where someone just throws their drink up in the air <laughs> and then we don't see it again. And it's like, God, that pint must have been expensive. You know, we're in London, aren't we? And someone just chucks it in the air. Good old England style, uh, watching England in the in the Euros of the World Cup. I just thought it was funny. Could we put the beer in the praising place? 
sure we sure can you know it's 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 for anyone to join there to be honest go. it could be anything or anyone directly caught in the beer coming straight back it's in been his cup and he, just, he just, just cracked on like nothing had happened i mean that, that, that'd have been class wouldn't it we need to know who threw that if anyone knows who threw that beer in the air please let us know any particular reason why just did we got to put with the prayers in place or... we, we, yeah we got to yeah we, we got to put a, a face to the action of the beer just ascending <laughs> the beer yeah. just keeps going up and i'm surprised it didn't just keep going just yeah <laughs> levitate in orbit somewhere <laughs> yeah. with brit somalonga's penalty against luton it's just yeah, reached the okay. camera ashton gate <laughs> <laughs> i need to chug my water <laughs> Oh dear. Well, speaking of camera angles at Ashton Gate, Marcus Foss um, <laughs> returns uh, to, to Borough's uh, team yesterday. After months out, months out, actually, I've missed him for him to come back, Matt, and then make such an impact. Firstly, how happy were you to see him? Secondly, how convenient was it for him to return, given that Corburn and then uh, Latte Laffer are now out? And and three, it opens up another opportunity for him as well to to be that centre forward as well. So I'm assuming you're very happy to see Marcus Foss again. Yeah, it was the um, <clears throat> it was the icing on the cake, I guess you could say after the performance yesterday. Obviously, seeing him on the bench was great. I wasn't certain he was going to come on, especially at two one. I thought, do we need him to come on? But when he did, seeing him play through the middle as well, I was like, okay, okay, I'm liking this. This is this is what we've been kind of wanting to see. Yeah, the finish, pardon the pun, get that one out there, get it done. Like, there's the pun, it's gone. The finish <laughs> was absolutely brilliant. And it, it is great to see a Borough centre-forward just drilling that ball into the far corner. I mean, it was it was good work from Rodgers to, to bring it down and obviously play him in. But yeah, just to see him just get back on the pitch that sharp, finishing that well, putting it in the bottom corner, just reminded us all what Marcus Foss can bring. And um, again, like, like I said earlier, it's just great to have that option after having you know not having him for what was it middle of October, so um, yeah, it's it's certainly made things interesting. It's gave Carrick another headache to the long list of headaches that he's got in various positions now, <laughs> which are all good headaches to have. But um, yeah, you've got to, you've got to make the argument. You know, if Jones is nailed down in that that position on the right hand side, laughs out. I think Corburn can do a job every now and again. I think that the, there is an opportunity for Marcus Foss to come in and start there. So um, I'm intrigued to see what Carrick does, how he looks at that and, and what he does going forward and if he maybe puts force up top at Rotherham next week. But yeah, to see him was just, it just was the icing on, on the cake, definitely. Yeah, and Dana, you've been asking for this for, for months. Uh, so Marcus Force down the middle, it only adds fuel to the fire, doesn't uh, it? And just, uh, I'm assuming you want to see more of it, I guess. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, needs must. We've got no striker. So the answer to the the question of who plays up front is literally right there and has been there the whole time. I remember saying it in the summer, like, why isn't he playing him there? And I'm glad that he, you know, came out after the game yesterday and said that Marcus can certainly play up front as well. He's done it enough. He's played a bit off the right for us, but he can definitely do it. He does finish his chances when he gets them as well. As he showed, he's a good finisher. It's a big goal for us. Yeah, it was a good it was a good goal, to be honest. The way that he cuts across it. You know, when you just feel confident that a player can finish when they strike a ball, that's me with Marcus Voss. I think so long as you give him opportunities, I think he'll put them away more times than not. And I remember Johnny, when we spoke to Billy Gant from Brentford Podcast B Sorted, there's a video on our YouTube channel. I think we'll um link it in the in the bio of this podcast, he spoke to us about Marcus Voss and he said that in conversation with Brentford's director of football, Phil Giles, Giles mentioned that Voss was the best finisher at the club bar none. And this was at the time where Ben Rama was there, Burmo, Ollie Watkins. But he also did mention, Billy, that Voss's all-round game wasn't quite up to par back then. So maybe that's why Carrick has held off on playing in there. Because I kind of feel like Carrick wants somebody that can do a little bit of everything, a striker that has a few strings to his ball, someone that could get in behind, someone that can drop deep and link the play, someone that can poach. So I mean, I'm describing the all-round striker there that is, you know, a bit, a bit of a golden ticket, but I think we've got a good one in Marcus Force and I would like to see him play through the middle as the number nine a lot more. Yeah, and with these things as well, you can stumble across something as well. I know we've been asking for it, but if he does play centrally and bangs a couple of goals in against Rotherham and he is very good at pressing defences down, like it kind of can it can kind of mould itself into him being the leading man. He can con- he contributes to a lot of goals, does Marcus Foss, especially on that right hand side. And I, I do like him there because he can come into the back post and finish and you know he's gonna score. Pardon the pun for the finish. Um but for me, like if he's in front of goal, I think eight or nine times out of ten, I think he does find the back then, or at least it's on target. So for me, yeah, I would like to see more of it in the in the coming weeks. But the final question I've got for you is for Millwall is about our debutants yesterday, Luke Aylin and Finn Azaz made the debuts for Borough. I just want to hear your thoughts on how you think, how you think they did because Azaz obviously got the assist. I thought Aylin looked really comfortable. Um, but Matt, what was your thoughts? Were you happy with Aylin and, and Finn Azaz being the eleven? Yeah, I was. I was a bit surprised that they both started. I think maybe not so much 
ailing because I think there are definitely we need to have a natural right back there. But I was um, really, really impressed with the pair of them. I think Ailing took a bit of time to settle early doors, but once he did, I think he offered us a lot. I think he he, he bombed on at times. He overlapped Jones when when the time was right, which was really good. You can you can tell from what the guy said in in the lowdown video that he does have like an incredible pair of lungs on him. He will run up and down that right hand side. I think he's he's really really good considering his his age. I guess um, the stamina he has going up and down the right. And I thought he was very, very solid defensively. And there was a, a nice balance there, I would say. And he obviously played the ball in field to Rodgers for our third goal as well. So I just thought Erlen contributed really, really well all round and grew into the game really nicely. And I think it's a very, very good signing. And I just loved watching Azaz. I think a bit like Barlas, you know, when you, you look at a footballer on the pitch and they just sort of float around. They don't have to sprint. They don't have to bust a gut. They're just always in the right position, picking up space, and they just sort of glide with the ball. I was just watching Azaz and thinking he is going to be a really, really good footballer to watch in that number 10. And, I mean, he should have had another assist. I mean, he played Rodgers in in the first half, didn't he? And, and Rodgers mm. put a, a left foot shot straight at the goalkeeper, which he probably should have done better with. So we're already seeing it in his first game. Azaz is, is already creating opportunities for us. So, yeah, for me, again, it's um, it's great to see, once again, Borough recruitment getting more Big ticks in that in that box. I think both of them look really, really good signings. Yeah, for you, Dana, what, what was your thoughts before we round things off and go to podcast questions? Yeah, really positive first introduction to them. I thought Angle, uh, I thought Ailing really, really grew into the game and I think he really combined well with Jones and there was a mutual benefit there because you were mentioning earlier, Johnny, about our wide play out of possession. I think Jones gives you more defensive cover and help than what any player really does on the left-hand side, just given our system. So I think both of them helped each other out there. Our right-hand side definitely had uh, mutual benefits there. So I think that Ailing was was really good, and I, th- I would like to see more from Azaz, but even in the, the brief viewing that we saw of him yesterday, and I say brief because I don't think he got on the ball as much as I probably would have liked, but just a really classy player. And he, he could have scored as well. I'm pretty sure it was him that he, he almost glanced ahead or I think it was just a little bit above him from a, a really good Greenwood clipped ball in, actually. So, yeah, mm. good from from both of them. I don't think Azaz got the assist for that, by the way, but we'll give him it. Who yeah. cares about Opta? Or a breakdown starts a bear. So we'll give him the assist. But yeah, really good from both of them. Definitely. And look, I'm really happy with them both as well. Still too early to tell, I think, for any transfer yeah. uh, to come good. But I was saying on the lowdown video with, with Valen, I just think it's a really sensible transfer. I just I know it's not going to set the world alight. And I know he's not called like Ailing Eno and he's a wonder kid from <laughs> Brazil. But I just think he's just good enough he's like he's just like a, he's weird like a house in a, in a way where he's just consistent gets a job done we and when you don't have to talk about him too much and i think that's what a really good football is when you don't have to talk about him and bring them up a really consistent player and i hope we see more of it i know the guys are all stats aren't we absolutely adore him <laughs> so i think they're i think everyone's happy that he's, he's playing again and you know when if, if he's fit i think he nails that position down quite comfortably as well um but we'll see. Uh, but let's move on now. Let's move on to podcast questions. Butter! Butter! 
Ah, yes, podcast questions. Every week you get the chance to ask us a question via email, boarbreakdownhotmail.com, Twitter, bore underscore breakdown, or by joining our Telegram chat with over 390 Boar fans. Trying everything but Bora. It's actually been really Bora focused over the last couple of days, given the wins and everything like that. So it's the most Bora conversation I've seen in a while. Well, the first question we've got from Chris, and uh, it says, when everyone is fit, uh, what does our be- what does our back five, so like the keeper and the, the back four, uh, look like? Um Oh, I can see you thinking about it as well. So I'll come to you in a moment. Dana, what do you think? And then I'll, I'm going to come to Matt as well. I'll get everyone's opinion on this one. I'm going to go Dieng in goal. I know that Glover has been really good of late and it's good that Glover has made people forget that Dieng is a good keeper within himself. It's kind of like, you know, on Toy Story where Andy just throws Woody into the toy box and he's like, I don't want to play with you anymore. It's very much like that. But Dieng is still a very good goalkeeper and I think that he will eventually displace Tom Glover and return back between the sticks. I then put Engel left back, Vandenberg right centre-half. I've gone with Clark left centre-half and then Tommy Smith right back. That's obviously with everyone being fit. Mm, Okay, Matt, what are you going to go for? I'd go Dieng as well. I have to. He's my guy. Um, <laughs> although Glover, Glover has obviously made people think, which is 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 good. But yeah, for me, Dieng would still go in. Engel, Clark, I think because of the balance with his left foot on that side. I, I'm stuck between Fry and Rav. I think Rav's got a higher ceiling. But Fry's form's been really good. So go deal Fry. But again, that's a good headache to have. And yeah, I'd still go Tommy Smith. If fully fit, I think just over Luke Allen. Yeah, um, and for me, I was, I want to go with Dieng as well. I think Dieng is just the moment gives me a little bit extra. But I would say Glover's been fantastic. Um, Luke's angle left back, and this is an interesting one for centre half because I think although Rav has been amazing this year, I think if you put Clark and Lenahan in centre half, Lenahan. Oh my god, I forgot Lenahan. Oh my god, yeah. I think Clark and Lenahan is probably your best pairing as a That's two. That's tough, that, isn't it? And, and then oh. I would probably say, if we wanted to put Rav in the team, I would probably say we go three centre-halves and put Rav in his third centre-back and then we put Jones at right wing-back uh, mm. to, to go to go as that. If not, um, I think Tommy Smith's very good. However, I could see Ailing if he would to continually play at a really good standard. You could see him getting that spot as well. But it's good options to have done. And um, I don't know what the team yet. It's only Wednesday. Uh, <laughs> other options. Um, but uh, yeah, that's how I'd, I'd go. I'd, maybe go with, I'd probably go over back five, I think, and really use the wing backs because I think that unlocks more of Engel's potential as well as Jones as well. Um, but mm. you know what? Formations is just a starting position, you know, football's fluid these days. But anyway, let's move on to the next question. And it's from uh, Lil and they ask, what position would you say is the weakest? Where do we need to strengthen this transfer window? Matt, I can see you've already got the answer in front of you. I can just see it. It's, it's in your eyes. Uh, what's the, those are our weakest position and where do you see us strengthening? Centre forward. Yeah. Although force is definitely an option, Don. Wanted to say that. I've never said it on the podcast before. <laughs> That's one off the bucket list. Tick. Um, even though Force, I think, is definitely a fantastic option, I would still, if we could strengthen anywhere, I would say centre forward. Okay, and then the final question as well. So it's from Zach, and he says, what's our best team with everybody fit? So this is a really difficult one again. 
because uh, we do have options done. Um, I'll, I'll go first while he's waiting, so you can have time to think about it. But I'll go the end goal. I'll go with the back three of Vandenberg, Lenahan, and Clark, and then I'll go with Engel and Jones as your wing backs. I'll play a four in midfield, and I'll be more of like a box. I would say for now, um, I'd go with Hackney and Barlassa. I'd go with McGree and Azaz, and then I would go with probably Marcus Force up front. I would say, and I do love Morgan Rogers. I absolutely adore him to bits, but I just I think Azaz and Marana McGree and that to creativity and strings, and you can bring Morgan on after 60 minutes and see the game up from there. But that's what I'll go for. But Dana, what do you think? What's your, what's your best 11? Oh, this is a really good question from Zach, and it's absolutely rock hard as well. I mean, my back four is different to what I actually said earlier because you reminded both of us that Lenahan exists. So Dieng, Engel, Clark, Lenahan, and Smith. Housen and Hackney in midfield. I think Hackney's a dead cert. He's one of the two dead certs in the team for me. Absolute shoe-ins. McGree on the left. He's another one of the shoe-ins. Uh, Zaz through the middle. I've gone Force on the right, only because we have not seen him for Borough through yeah. the middle, except for yesterday. So I don't know. On paper, it's, it reads well to me. I haven't seen it, though. So well, I have, but I haven't seen it in uh, in a big period. So I've gone force on the right, and then latte laugh up front. But as I've said before, it's six and two threes on him and Corburn. You can mix and match formation wise, but this is just in the the Carrick four two three one that we've seen. Yeah. I think that's maybe the best that we've got there. Well, it, I don't think it is, but that's my opinion anyway. <laughs> <Fair> <enough. laughs> I don't then... have clue, mate. Uh, oh, oh no, that, I just, I, I, that's why I'm moving on to Matt now. Just so you can <laughs> uh, Matt, what would you say your 11 is? And then we'll run off the prayers in place. Uh, I think I'd go with our usual 4 2 3 1 as well. Um, Dieng, Engel, Clark, yeah, Lenahan. <laughs> Forgot about him. Smith, midfield two, I'd probably say I'd go Hackney and Howson, I want to say. It's, really it's tough there. Because oh, O'Brien as well. Bloody hell. Yeah, Lewis O'Brien. But then, no, well, Brian's off fit. So, what a squad. I mean, and he's also on loan, so it doesn't count. But if it, if he was a permanent <laughs> signing, I would definitely say Hack, Hackney and Hackney and O'Brien's your best too. But but with I, that, they're, t- they're two like O'Brien's box to box and Housen's, uh, sorry, Hackney is, I wouldn't say, you know, ball carrier per se or just just a ball carrier. I think he's got more to him than that. But I I just feel like those two might clash with House and in there you have somebody that I think has a, a nice, well-rounded, refined game in that he can just two-foot someone. He can leather someone into the orbit. And I think you kind of need that a little bit at times. But I don't know. Continue. He does Matt. the dirty work, doesn't he? And he allows the other the other mm. midfielder to Yeah, Hackney, House and McGree on the left, Azaz in the middle, Jones on the right, Force up front for me. But what a squad. What a squad yeah. we've got. When it all comes together, it's you've got options. It's brilliant. But let's move on. Let's move on to the prayers and place now. Yes, the prayers and place. The only place I like to give prayers to a Borough player, coach staff member, the fans, the paint that got through in the air against Millwall. Tom's... Uh, <laughs> 
Tom, wherever he is, asking for prayers. Uh, I was actually don't know where he is today. I can't remember where he said he was doing Matt's lovely hair routine and Dana's scarfs behind her. Um, so there we go. A plenty of prayers to say uh, this week. But who's in your prayers and place, Dana? Well, who, who who gets your position this week? I've got two players in here. I'm going to get my controversial pick out of the way first. I'm going to put Sam Greenwood in there. When it comes to Sam Greenwood, there's a lot of conversation, and I've been a part of this conversation in regards to I want to see more from his performances. I actually thought that we saw more from him yesterday in possession. Out of possession, I think he still needs work. I hate those little fouls that he gives away that are so needless and just... <laughs> they're kind of annoying, but... In possession yesterday, that clipped ball that, that I mentioned earlier that Azaz almost got his head to was really, really good. I thought in terms of the positions that he was picking up, of course, he, he did set up the equaliser, but he started that move as well. I think he was very good in appreciating where the space was. And it wasn't a complete performance by him by any stretch, but it was better. It was more from him than what I've seen and that's all I want to see really so if he could keep on that trajectory I think that that would be good but my main prison place pick this week is Dale Fry he has been excellent of late and people aren't mentioning it like I know that Dale Fry has almost become lost in like the the hype over Rav Vandenberg and Clark's return and Lenahan being a really good centre-half obviously prior to his injury, but Dill Fry is still a very good defender. Millwall peppered us with crosses yesterday, 27, and it felt like Dill Fry headed all of them out. Now, he didn't. He had four-headed clearances in the game, but the most blocks, the most clearances. Whenever the ball was in a situation where it was a potential threat to us, Dill Fry was seemingly always there. He was marshalling that back line. I think he closed the space down really well. And it was a really strong defensive performance from Fry again. And I always feel like when he has when he's tasked with defending against a Premier League side as he was against Chelsea, he stands up to the test and then he continues that form into the league. So I thought he was man of the match yesterday for me. So I am going to give Dale Fry for the second podcast in the row my pick in the praise and place this week. Congratulations to you, Dale. Um, you'll get a badge coming in the post very soon. Um, and Matt, who are you, you going to go for? Who's in your praise and place this week? Uh, it's tough because it was more of a team performance, I would say, than than any like standout individuals. But I agree regarding Dale Fry. I probably just put the centre back pairing in there. I think I think they just defended the box really well. Um, as Dana said, Millwall were absolutely chucking crosses in left, right, and centre, and we were under pressure, especially early on. So I think they did really well in that period. And I'm just going to give it to Marcus Force because it's good to see him back. And as we alluded to earlier in the podcast. For him to come on and, and finish him the way he did, I think, was absolutely excellent. So, yeah, I'll put him in there. Brilliant. And then for me, I'm going to go with uh, Tom Glover. I think Glover's been fantastic since um, Dieng's been uh, away. And also, I would say Matt Clark for, for being his, being for really solid since he's come back too uh, for, from injury. It's short, he's always been a good defender. And I think we've just forgot about it because he hasn't been in the team for 12 months because of an injury. You know, he used to be a Premier League defender. He got player of the year uh, for his previous club. And it's just, he's just a good player. Just like a really good player. And we just forget about it. But then Hayden Hackney as well, you know, captain in your, your club for the first time against Aston Villa. That performance against Chelsea and for him to come on as well, again, making us better. I think you just forget how good Hayden Hackney is when, he, and when he's just not about. And when he comes on, the level just goes up. So, 
They're my three. You'll all get badges in the post and that'll round off the praise and place. But now uh, let's move on to everyone's favourite part of the show and it's trivia time. So each week we do give a bit of trivia against uh, for the team that Borough are going to play. Um, so this week it's a Rotherham-themed, well, it's kind of Rotherham-themed, but it could also be 70 other teams because Neil Warnock has managed us and Rotherham and every other club in the EFL. And the question is today, Neil Warnock has managed Borough and Rotherham, but which club did he have a higher win percentage at? I'll also give you a bonus point if you get the win percentage right as well. So, do you have a higher win percentage at either Bora or Rotherham? And also, um, what was his win percentage at that club as well? So, your time starts now. Time is up. Let's get your answers then. So, Matt, I'll come to you first. Who has a higher win percentage? Dana, stop trying to Google the answers. Um, <laughs> I've spelt uh, Rotherham wrong. That's what I have done. I'm sorting uh, it out. Um, so, Matt, where do you have a higher win percentage and what was the win percentage he got? Well, I don't have a pen, so I'm just going to say it. Um, I think Rotherham. <laughs> I just have a feeling to get Rotherham out of the predicament they were in, because it was, I recall, an unbelievable great escape. He would have probably mm-hmm. had to have edged towards two points a game. I don't think he would have quite gotten two points per game, so I'm going to say Rotherham, and I'm going to say 1.8 points per game. That's a very tough one for me to work out. I put my head. We've got a percentage at all. We've got a percentage. <laughs> a percentage? What, of games that he won? Yeah. Um, I think he won... 45% of his of games at Rotherham. Okay. I think that equates to 1.8 points per game. I don't know, but yeah. Ah, I was like, I was like, God, he's making me work here. Yeah, like, quick maths. Um... I don't know why I thought points per game. I don't know why I thought that. <laughs> and Dana, what are you going to go for? What's good, What's going to be your answer? Well, I've gone Rotherham, and I'm embarrassed that I spelt their name wrong. I put Rotherham. But to be fair, I'm from Middlesbrough. We don't we drop the H's, don't we? Uh, and I've gone 41% on the win percentage. Okay, so you were both right on Rotherham. He did have a higher win percentage at Rotherham, but it was a lot closer than you think. Um, he had a 38 win percent rate at Rotherham and a 37.5 uh, for Middlesbrough. And of wow. course, he did manage more games for Middlesbrough, but in that last calendar year, he had a win percentage of 20 percent on his time at Borussia. I've, I've got it. I've got it. Sorry, I've got it here. 37.5 at Rotherham, 38.6 at Borough. Is that right? Where have you got that? Because I have it. Wikipedia. What? Ah, Transfer Mark told me different. Well, oh, well, we'll go with Transfer Mark. We'll agree to disagree. But anyway, we'll move on to Rotherham now. Uh, because before the turn of the year, Matt, you went. You still haven't seen Borough win away from home in a while. Uh, we lost 1-0 to a courtesy of an XG of 0.07. Since then, you know, they might have picked up. They might not have. Might not have. But we spoke to Matt from New York Talk to get their predictions for next Saturday. Season so far has been not great. Look at the league table. I told you all you need to know about our season so far. Moments of goodness, not 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 brilliance or greatness really. 
Um, the start was okay, and then the mid-season's just been almost a disaster. Um, lost lo- poor losses against average teams. Played well against the, be- the better teams, you know. We picked up a point against Ipswich, which is and Leeds. Uh, unlucky not to pick up something at Leicester at home. But then we go and lose 5-0 away at Watford and a couple of other results like that against teams who are sort of pondering around mid-table. So very, 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 very frustrating. The first appeal was, was good to beat you guys, picked up a point against Sunderland, picked up a point against against Blackburn. And we're sort of thinking, well, this is, you know, it's a platform to build on. Um, we were back within seven points of safety after the New Year's Day games. Um, and then we lost 1-0 Saturday to Stoke. Really, really poor performance. Stoke had the qualities and they played some pretty football, but we were just lacking in anything, any sort of ideas or aggression or positivity or anything that sort of resembles a, a, a positive way a football team should play. Obviously, we played you guys on, on Boxing Day and we won, but we should never really have won the game. Obviously, it was the nailed-on penalty that wasn't given. Um, a few other chances. Keeper Aki was pulled off a couple of very, very good, very good saves. So we all know how lucky that was. Even with the Rotherham hat on, we can see how lucky that, that even that win was. And that was our first win in 11 or 12 at the time. As things stand, we're going one way. As things stand, there's no way out of it. The January window's obviously open. We're, what, two weeks into it? Or we'll be two weeks into it. And we've had two first-team players recalled, although one was injured, gone back to their parent club. And we've recalled one player who was out on loan who has now missed the first game back because of injury or illness. Um, there's no rumours that we, we as fans, want... F- Four or five signings. You know, we need a couple of centre halves because we're really low in numbers. You always want a strike if you can get one. Uh, we need some wide wide players as well. Whether that comes in before the middle of before we play you guys next week, I don't know. Whether it comes in at all, I don't know. Um, or Ron's budget is quite well known. I one of the lowest budgets in the league, so we have to maybe have to wait for everybody else to do all their business first. But yeah, there's not much positivity surrounding the club at the moment. Bearing in mind, legally eight points adrift now. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's it's good fun being a Rotherham fan. And the only positive is that you've you've got the, the cup to think about. Uh, I think the week the few, a few a few days after, so that might maybe you take your eyes off the ball a little bit in the league, which might benefit us enough where we can we can nick something. I wouldn't be putting money on that. I wouldn't be putting money on us putting put uh, getting anything. And my prediction for the score prediction probably go two one. We're not keeping a clean sheet. We don't, we don't create more, create very much points. So we might not even get, we might not even get the one. Our away form is thirty games without a win away from home. I think. Um, so that's the kind of team you're going up against with that put so much poor form <laughs> away from home, especially away from home. Uh, so yeah, predict a two on uh, two on Borough win. So thank you very much, Matt. Um, thank you. Wait, thirty games without uh, a win away from home. <laughs> <laughs> oh, screams 1-0, brother, I've done it. Absolutely screams it. And just on the trivia as well, I've been searching it whilst Matt was uh, talking to us there, and there's three different percentages knocking about <laughs> Neil Warnock. He is. Some saying that he's got more win percentage at Middlesbrough, some at Rotherham. I have no idea. I'm just going to say it's a tie. Um, so everyone's, <laughs> it's twice in a row I've been done that by that, so I think it's going to... You know, I'm gonna to have to move away from this type of trivia. Thank God we're not earning, we're not making money on that one. So predictions <laughs> for the game uh, against Rotherham, uh, Matt. What what are you predicting? What's going to be the score? I think I'm going to go positive. I think we should we should win comfortably given their away record. So I'm going to go three nil Borough. Three nil Borough. Um, yeah. Matt, you can't enter the stadium. And Dana, 
Um, what are you going to go off on? next to you. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, firstly, the, the, the Rotherham fan there sounded like Matt Crooks, so, and he was called Matt, so congratulations, Johnny, on getting Matt Crooks on the podcast. It's okay. Hey, Tom. Um, <laughs> He's leaving Borough now. Yeah, yeah, he probably is. Good old Borough breakdown curse. Um, I'm going to go with 2-0 Middlesbrough. I'm not going to have a sh- whole spiel about how Rotherham, well, what I said about Rotherham last time, I take all of that back um, because I feel like I assisted Borough's defeat saying that. So, yeah, 2-0 Borough but I don't think it's going to be as swashbuckling a victory as people may think. Okay, then. And I'll go 2-0 Borough. I think we'll do enough. I think if we score really doors, it could be anything. But I think it's going to be a difficult game. First half now will be tight. Won't be able to break them down, but I think it'll just be a moment of quality. And then that's where hopefully Borough will go on to thrive. And once we unlock them once, it'll be time and time again. Hopefully we get forward. But yeah, I'll go over 2-0 win. Um, but guys, thank you very much for coming on as always. Um, and to the listeners and the viewers, thank you very much for watching and listening to us as well. Don't forget to give this video a thumbs up if you're on YouTube and subscribe to us. There is 42% of you that watch uh, our videos each week and haven't subscribed yet. So please do subscribe because it's very annoying. And just say, <laughs> and then for our listeners as well, don't forget to give us a five-star uh, rating on your podcast provider as well. That helps get found, charted, and also uh, help us get closer to hitting that gold award at the FCA's in the future as well but for right now Borough beat Millwall at the den and you know we're very very close to the playoffs once again <sighs> just please can we just get in the playoffs this has been the Borough Breakdown podcast and that was like a Borough match day chat in a pod up the Borough Breakdown Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.